Hey, I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for starting your week with us today and starting your week together. There's something powerful about being together. There's something powerful about where two or more are gathered in the same place and it not really being about us. It's really about Jesus. And the Bible says that when we get together in his name, that he's here in the midst of us. What an honor. What an honor. What an honor it is for us to be in the presence of an almighty God. And really not because we're good enough. Matter of fact, despite that fact, he's here. It's not really about because we're good enough, it's because he is. He's so good. And that's what we celebrate this morning. You know, in just a moment, we're going to start by worshiping with a talking about the power of the name of Jesus. There's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. I was singing that old school hymn this week. There's power, power, power in the name of Jesus. And you know, I got thinking about it, about, man, it's an old school hymn, but it's not really an old school hymn. It's an old truth. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name above every name, Paul says. So today, I don't know what you brought in with you. I don't know what you've dragged in. I don't know what life has attached to you this week because so often life attaches things to us during the week. But there's nothing that's attached to you that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. Not one disease, not one sickness, not one addiction, not one worry, not one thing of stress, not one relational issue. There's nothing that is attached to you today that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, I want to invite you this morning that as we stand, can we just stand together? I'm going to pray over us in just a second. But as we begin to lift up our voices, not just to make this a song, but to make this the cry of our heart, there's something powerful in the name of Jesus. Daddy, we don't gather in the name of Connect. We don't gather in the name of church. We don't gather for ourselves. We we gather in the name of Jesus today. We, we come together to give you praise. We come together to give you glory. Your name is worthy. It is worthy to be honored. It is worthy to be praised. It is worthy to be shouted above the rooftops, above our sicknesses, above our addictions, above our depressions, above our worry, above our stress, above our weak. Your name is worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God who was and is and is to come. The whole earth, Father, is filled with the glory of our God. Come and fill this place today. Come and fill this place today. Enemy, we give you no place. Sickness, we give you no place. Depression, we give you no place. Addiction, we give you no place. There is a name above every name, and his name is Jesus Christ. He came. He died. He rose again. He defeated death and hell. He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, where he will come to bring his people home. My King, my Lord, my God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy. Come on, church. Holy, 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 holy. Holy are you, Lord God. Worthy is the name of Jesus Christ. Worthy, worthy. Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's just worship Him together today. There is power. Powerful. The name of Jesus is powerful.
there is one name that is higher than every other name. So let's give that the worthiness, the glory, and the praise that it deserves. Here we go. We love to call your name. It's something we cannot explain. That happens when we proclaim your great name, your great name. We love to call your name. It's
every tribe and every tongue one day will stand before the Lord of our land, the might and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again for us. And every name on this earth will sing as one. And every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord, he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is to declare the true authority, the only authority that will change anything and everything. And I was just saying, you know, it's a privilege for us as a church to deposit words into your mouths because what we declare matters. And just sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can only get out Jesus. (laughs) It's all I got. And if today it's all you have, it's enough. And he's going to draw near. Just like when someone calls you and you come up to them and respond, that's who he is. He's going to come near to us today. And he's going to share pieces and portions of himself. So thank you for being here because you get to look around the room and see sojourners that are, that are traveling. This morning, I was, we were driving here. And there is a woman in front of me that I just hope one day I meet her. She was driving and I knew she was worshiping. Like there was no question about it. She had a pink steering wheel 
and she had a matching pink jacket on, and I was like, I need to know you. And I, like, I was like, that woman is worshiping. That woman is worshiping, and she drove by us, and she had, like, Jesus things on her church. And I was like, you go to that church this morning that you are on your way to, and you bring Jesus. <laughs> and sometimes that's, you don't even realize that you're testifying to people. But I'm carrying her with me today. So, guys, go ahead and wave to somebody and then have a seat. sound like old person sitting down. That's how yes. we sound in our house. <laughs> we sing basically when we go up and down steps now. I'm rejoicing in my tribulation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Although outwardly I'm fading away. Inwardly. I'm sorry. I just got the eye. Um, <laughs> stop your preacher voice. Um, man, it's so good to be here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. And for those who don't know, by the way, um, this platform rotates. Um, so about every five minutes or so, very, very smoothly, yes. it'll rotate about a quarter of the way around the room. So eventually we will be looking at you, but until then, we'll be looking at you also on the screens. It just gives us a way to be able to be together and for you guys to see each other. Oh, we've had an interesting week, hey? Yeah. Who a anybody else have an interesting week? <laughs> I, 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 it's so good to be in church. It's so good to be in the house. Um, you know, Dee and I are going to, we're doing part two of a, a message we, we, we started last week um, called Don't, Don't Get Crowded Out. And uh, if you brought your Bible, since you brought your Bible, I noticed some big Bibles coming in, by the way. There are some big, and I saw some old school Bible cases. Come on, that's so Yes, that's, that makes me so you, happy. I know, right? You got old school, I love it. If you I, got, but if you have your Bible in no matter what form, electronically, Physically, can you open it with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the, of the New Testament. Um, and we wanted to just continue to talk a little bit more. Even if you, you weren't here last week, uh, can I really encourage you, matter of fact, to, to go back. Everything is recorded. Everything is on, uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, all of our media sites. And you can watch all the way back from the time the pandemic started. Um, but the, especially the last two weeks uh, have been really where we have been building upon. And last week we started to talk about how God has given us soils in our heart, that there's soil in our heart, that the word of God comes forward and is trying to plant itself in our life. And that there's things in our life, about our lives, babe, that, 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 that are in all of us. It's not just that we have one of these soils. We, we probably have a mixture of all these in our life at some level. And, and how they affect us, how they keep us from, from actually producing fruit, which is actually what we're called to do. And, and, more, and as importantly, it keeps us from being able to be rooted enough to stand, to stand in, those, in those storms. We've been talking about those labor pains that uh, happen before Jesus comes back and Labor pains don't go from really bad to less. They go from less to really bad. And so it's, it's this ability to be able to make sure that we can get the word of God in us. So not only we could be rooted, but we could be fruited. See, these are the things he does. He doesn't tell me that he's going to say cornball jokes. Yeah, that's awesome. And then he breaks out with the it's things that dad, rhyme. They love it. I know. It's I dad. Don't, no, they don't. They don't. I understand. <laughs> it's like dad jokes. But it's dad jokes. It's all good. But last week, just to recap really quickly before we hop in today, we, we talked about two different kinds of soils 
that are in us that affect us. And it's, it's really the trampled down soil, the trampled path that comes from pain, that comes from abuse, that comes from dysfunction, that comes from disappointment. All the things that we have gone through since we were little that the enemy didn't start trying to take you out when you came to Jesus. He started to take you out from the moment you were born. So there's been things, various vessels, various feet. We talked about how a trampled path isn't just trampled by one set of shoes, that it's various shoes with various feet that have caused us to become trampled in our heart. And the Bible says that the seed is planted there, but it can't grow because it can't get rooted. We can't, because we, don't, we, want, we can't believe for it. And what we have learned to do so often, especially in Christianity, is we, instead of healing that, that, that path, we learn to navigate around that path. But the problem is that there are seeds planted that God had planted in that, in that soil that's trampled down that can't grow, that God still has plans to grow until we change that soil. And that we need to take time, take time, and allow the Holy Spirit to actually heal those things, to repair the broken parts of our lives. Not to ignore them, or learn to walk around them, but to repair them. And we talked about the disillusioned soil. The disillusioned soil is when uh, we start out really good, we're all excited about Jesus, we get saved, we're like, God! Right, we're all excited, and then, somewhere along the way, life hits us, testing hits us, trial hits us, man, it doesn't work out the way we thought it would work out, and we get disappointed and we lose our joy. And because our emotions have become the belt of our faith that hold our faith together when I'm feeling really good I've got a lot of faith but when man when things are going bad when things aren't when I'm going through disappointment when my joy is gone very often when my joy is gone my faith is gone and we lose sight of that and although we started out on fire the Bible says we become unrooted we lose our joy and we wander away so many people through the pandemic all of us probably have struggled to keep joy in our life, to keep faith in our life while we're going through the trial. Because somewhere along the way, the thing that was holding up our faith wasn't Jesus. It was church. It was my friend group. It was the good things, the joy, the worship set. And we need to make sure that we're, the Bible says that we get restored. Restore the joy. David comes and says, God, restore the joy of my salvation. I forgot how excited I was, God, when I got saved. And I didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't get saved because I got excited. I got saved, and then I got excited. Those things are there. And we can't get rid of those things alone. We need each other. We need discipleship. We need people who will be repairers and restorers of the breach, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today. But today we want to talk about the last two things that will help us not only to produce fruit in our life, but to stand, to stand, to stand. The world doesn't go from getting worse to better. It is going, come on. We're not seeing, I just, we said what, two weeks ago, the ocean's on fire. If that did not wake somebody up, like the ocean water is burning. It's craziness. It's insanity. Well, we're going to talk today about these last two and try to Try to help us not to get crowded out because what Dee and I talked about this week is that this probably maybe more than any other soil has the most validity in our generation today. It's not that those other things don't happen. 
But th these things are being fed to you. The other things are a result of what is done to you. This is what is being fed to you. And so Dee's going to read the scripture. We're going to hop in in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. And we solved the problem with when you have a Bible that you can't read any longer. <laughs> this is my font. We've graduated to about 97. All right, here we go. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And the ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But there is no root. And they believe for a while. And then in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. And in the NLT version, it says, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a noble and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Mm. And Kyle's going to talk about the final soil and a, more, a little bit more about that crowding out because that concept is so true to us. And then I'm going to take a little bit of time and I'm going to talk about once we're able to identify what's been crowding us out. Yeah. What does the word, not what do good ideas tell us, what do good mindsets tell us, but what does the word tell us to do to begin to shift and empty out our interior room so that we have enough space for what's supposed to be in that soil. So good. I, and guys, look, I think this, the sticky thing with this, if we're honest, is that everything inside of us is going to go, that's not me. And I think really where health and wholeness can come is when we actually can, can say, man, this might be me. And then allow the Holy Spirit to say, in this area, this is you. Because all of us, I'm in this same boat. There are things, come on, that I've allowed to crowd out to certain things in my life. It's just the, the way that it is. It's, it's, it's life happens, and this is what we do. Well, well you have to understand, I, gotta go I have life. There's life. And I go, I know. And that's why we have to live this thing on purpose. Not, not reactionary, but intentionally. Reactionary is reacting to whatever happens to you. Intentionally is understanding that if I don't do things intentionally, I'll have to react to things when they do happen. And so the, the, the third soil that I think is so tricky in our generation today, Dee, and we, we've been talking about this, is this crowded out soil. And, and, and it's the crowded out soil that allows blessings to become burdens in our life. And it's so tricky because somewhere along the way, this, this Greek word for choked out or crowded out, choked out, actually means to overthrow or to oppress. It means that there was something that was originally situated there of value. But an external force moved against it to displace it. 
to get rid of it from your life. There were things that were there. There was the word that was planted. There were things that we used to believe, do, activate in our life. There was times we used to fast, but somewhere along the way it got crowded out. We used to spend time in prayer, but somehow that got crowded out. We used to be uh, uh, quick to forgive, but somewhere the pain, come on, allowed that to be crowded out. It, it's just a reality of life that there are things that we have allowed to come in that displace the things of God that used to be deeply rooted in those areas. And we convince ourselves we're okay because we used to do those things. We haven't stopped believing in fasting. We've stopped doing it. We haven't stopped believing in the power of forgiveness. We're just slower to get there. Do you see why we have to then begin to say, well, why is that so? Well, because the things that have come in had overthrown things that used to be deeply rooted. But, if it, but what that should tell us, if there's things that are no longer there, that they're not deeply rooted, if you're not deeply rooted, then there can be no fruit from that because the fruit cannot grow if there's not a good root. And then at the end of that, when the storms come, if you're not deeply rooted, you're easily moved. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this parable. It displaces all of us go through this. We go through it with, with, with our walk with God, with our how much time we spend in the Word, how we interact with friends. I was telling Dee this week that uh, if you remember when you were younger, maybe this happened to you, maybe it didn't, but you had a group, a crew that you hung out with, and then somewhere along the way, some of your crew started dating people. And you went from, you know, you went from being in the car with them to go to the movies to driving your own car to the movies. Right? Because you got crowded out. Then when you got to the movies, you had to sit in the row in front of them or behind them. Come on, somebody, because you got crowded out. That happens in life, and it happens in spiritual life as well. The interesting thing with me that it makes this so dangerous in our generation if we're not careful, and I hope that this morning opens our eyes a little bit to, inter to do some introspection. The interesting thing for me is that Jesus says, the things that does this in our life are not bad things. He actually says it's riches and pleasures of the world in this life. What's interesting to me, and we spend a lot of time talking about this, is that those are the things we usually are praying and asking God for. We are asking God for the pleasures of life and the riches of the world because we think those things will make things better for us. Then we judge our holiness. We judge how much God loves us. We judge how good God thinks we are by the things he blesses us with. And this is where it gets really confusing in our life because that's the hook. There's an old saying in Tennessee where, where, where I went to school, uh, the more cards that are in your deck, the harder it is to shuffle. What that means is the more blessings we get, come on, sometimes it's harder to shape priorities. It's harder to recognize what's there, what's there to help you and what's actually there to harm us in our lives. And it's easy to allow blessings to become burdens in our life. It's why so often we feel like our life is full, but our spirit is so empty. And we begin, after we get blessing after blessing, we begin to start to worry about how am I going to keep the blessing. I get the house down the shore, then I got to work harder to keep the house down the shore. Then I get the promotion, then I got to spend an additional 40 hours a week trying to keep the promotion. We, we confuse, come on, we confuse the blessing, come on, with pleasure from the blesser. And we're keeping the, and, and, and we find ourselves very often where keeping the blessing hinders 
our intimacy with the one who gave us the blessing. Anyone? Come on, right? Is it, this is just reality in life. We actually see it in the Bible. In Luke chapter 17, there's these 10 lepers that come to Jesus. And they're all sick. They're all in need. They can't heal themselves. And Jesus, miraculously, because he loves them, heals them. And they go off to tell the priest, because that's what they had to do to be clean. And then only one comes back to thank Jesus. And Jesus, he's not upset, but he, he asks them a legitimate question. Weren't there 10 of you? Where are the other nine? That's a legitimate question. Because here, God gave them something good. And don't get me wrong, he loves to give you good things. He loves, the, he delights, the Bible says he delights in the prosperity of his children. This is not anti-God being good to you. It's an understanding of what the goodness of God should produce in you. He, he, he's saying, man, he, he said, look, I don't mind doing good things. He said, I did good things. Where are the other nine? Here's what happened. They got what they needed from Jesus. And now they had the ability to do what they couldn't do before. So they went and did it without him. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I still think that they were probably glad for Jesus. They probably acknowledged Jesus was the one who set them free. But the blessing... How they handled the blessing produced distance rather than intimacy. The blessing became the burden. Come on, what makes this soil so challenging for us, uh, especially in our world today, is not just the worldly culture, babe, that we live in of acquisition, right? The wor wor our worldly culture is a culture of acquisition, and it woos us. We got to acquire things to feel good about our lives. Is that Because that's the culture I live in. I, I'm fairly sure that's the culture that's in this world. That's, that definitely affects us. But what's more dangerous to us in the church is the church culture that has inundated us of this good life gospel that we've been talking about. Where the gospel has come into my life so, I, so God can give me a good life. Rather than the gospel has come into my life so that my life can know a good God. And so what ends up happening in this moment is that we start to feel, well, I'm so blessed. I'm just so blessed. And at least that's what we, we cannot try to identify what we call as blessing. Uh, and, and we take that as a, a sign of God's pleasure. Like, I must be good with God because I'm so blessed. Look how he blessed me. Look what he's doing. This is me and God. God is, must be really, really happy with me because I am blessed. Not really realizing that sometimes the accumulation of those things in our life actually keep us from God rather than actually draw us to God. And I think the, the issue is that Jesus gets crowded out. We, we've started to identify a good life as a godly life. When my life is good, it's godly. When my life is good, it's godly. No, all godly lives reflect God's goodness, but not all good lives are godly. That's what's going on here. We make them interchangeable, and we confuse a, a life with blessing as a life with the blesser. And it's so easy to do in our life. Sometimes I think we have to realize, and this is, this is the hard thing that you and I really have been talking about this week. Sometimes, sometimes the blessings come into our life not as a means of 
sell, as, uh, to judge our self-righteousness. Because that's what we've been taught to do. The more, the more ble we're blessed because God is happy with us. The more good you are, the more blessing you'll have. The more good you are, the more blessing you'll have. So when blessing comes, we suppose it's a value judgment on our righteousness. However, the word tells us that sometimes blessings come to cause us to repent. That will mess with your theology. It'll mess with you if when you, don't you get it. you don't realize that it's what the Bible Romans 2.4 says this. The, it's the goodness of God. The kindness of God towards you that leads you to repentance. There are times in our lives when we actually are getting blessed that it should remind us that we're getting blessed not because of us, but despite us. <laughs> it's not because of our goodness. It's because he's good. The more blessed we are, it should be the more humble we become. It shouldn't become more self-righteous, more prideful, more egotistical. We shouldn't be bragging about how much, how good God has done as if it is something we have done. It is what God has done. And many of you have been with me when we've gone to Haiti. And the, the overwhelming theme when we come back from Haiti is this. I don't know how, how they could be so joyful and have nothing. Interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus says there are things that choke out him in our lives. I think, my friends, this is why we need to be discipled. We need to learn how to rebuild using blessings. Rebuild using our blessings to glorify God. Because in our world, we've only been taught to be a consumer of blessing rather than a builder with the blessing that God has given us. That's why Isaiah 58 verse 12 says, when I show up, when my spirit shows up, when I actually release what I'm called to do in my church, they will be repairs of the breach. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, things that have been torn down, things that used to bless me. Man, I'm going to make sure that they rebuild those things. They're going to be repairers, restorers, rebuilders. That's why Dee and I have been talking about these things. It's not just from the stage. It's in these seats. We need each other yes. to help rebuild, to repair, yes. to restore. Man, when you see a brother or sister and they are struggling, we shouldn't be up there judging them. We should be out there encouraging them. The Bible says that we should encourage one another, that we should restore a brother with love gently. We should be the people who aren't pointing out the wrong, but actually helping them to actually uh, raise above the wrong. We should help them walk this thing out hand in hand. We can't do it alone. We need each other. That's why when we've been talking about it's why we reshape this entirety of church so that we've given you the opportunity not to have to be serving in 58 ministries on a Sunday morning because what ended up happening is we were serving the ministry rather than actually serving the one who is the one who's meant to be served. So we didn't create space in here for us to be able just to do church differently. We've created space in here because there was too many things that were choking out the good stuff. This isn't bad. There was good stuff going on in church. But good does not equate to God. And until we actually have that broken, we're going to miss it. We will allow things to choke out things in our life. And where there is no root, at the end of the day, when those labor pains get worse, you will be moved. You will be moved. You will be moved. 
and not in the right way. I'll tell you the truth. This preparing for today for me was really, really, really challenging um, because I had in me something that I wanted to share. Um, and for those of you who have uh, been with us during the, for the duration of the pandemic, toward the beginning of it, we actually taught through the book of Acts. So if you ever actually want to have additional study in your, in your private life, I would encourage you to, to go back to those past videos Absolutely. because we, we walked through the book of Acts. But um, there, was a, there was a passage in that that has always stayed with me. I love this and, story. And um, I had talked about, there's a story about when there's a woman named Tabitha or, or Dorcas, depending on what you read, and she had died. And um, the widows had prepared her body for burial, and anointed her body and put her in the upper room. And then the disciple, she was a, she was a devoted disciple of Christ. And so when the, dis, when the other disciples heard that, she, that Peter was in a nearby town and yes. he had been, been used to perform miracles, they heard about this, they sent two people to him immediately and said, you have to come back and, and help us. And so he, it says he, he left immediately and he went. And, um, and I talked about uh, the fact that Peter then does something that for me is very curious. So he comes and they, the, the women sh are mourning, right? So when you're mourning, you hear the mourning, okay? So just put yourself sometimes like I always encourage you to do, go in the word and be in it. Yes. Like we, when you're in a situation and people are mourning, you hear it, right? You, can, you could recall there's been times when I've heard certain screams, I'll never forget that sound. There are certain sounds of agony and grief that you'll hear and they stay with you. And uh, there is scent in the air because they had prepared the body for burial. So there are specific spices that you use to preserve a body. How many of you know that? Have you ever been triggered by a scent? Oh, yeah. This, for me, is a, very, is a very big thing. It just takes you right into that moment. And they kept, it says they kept showing him everything that she had made, the garments and all the things that she had done. And it's, it's, a, it's a touch point. It's a textile. Yeah. You can feel it. So you're, so, and you're seeing this body dead in front of you. And so all of these things are registering to your senses, yep. and you can uh, become consumed by them. And I so badly this morning wanted to go into what it is, what are some of the faces of the things that crowds out our life. And I pushed, I pushed, I had a list, I wanted to go back to it, of something we had talked about earlier during the pandemic, and God was like, I need you to focus on the other part of that scripture. And it, it says that Peter does something so peculiar to me because He's been brought there because they had faith. Yes. And they were mourning because they loved her. Right? Yep. So there's faith and there's love in this room. And it says, Peter put the widows out the room. Mm. Cleared the room. He put them out of the room. This is very confusing to me. Because I would be like, well, I'm one of the reasons that you're here. <laughs> like, I'm one of the people that sent for you. I had so much faith that I said to them, go get him. Yep. If anybody can do something for her, it's him. And do, do you not hear my pain? I'm here grieving. I'm here mourning. And it says, Peter put the widows out of the room. And I just can't help but see us in this story. 
The widows, these were good women. Yes. They had faith and they had love. But there was something else that they were carrying that was overcoming the good that was present in them in the room that Peter had to put out of the room. And so sometimes we're so busy saying, but God, I do this. Mm. God, I, you see me give up that. I've done it this way for you. I've done it that way for you. I've kept my mouth shut when I wanted to open my mouth. I've, kept, I've opened my mouth when I've wanted to keep it shut. Like, and we put all of these things, and these are true things. These are good things. But clearly, something was also present in the room that needed to be put out of the room. So good. And that's what God kept trying to put in front of me for this morning to share with you. Some of you are going immediately, to immediately be listening to this and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the thing that keeps showing itself. And if it's like if you struggle with addiction, there's going to be things that are overt to you, for example, to say, like, oh, this is the thing that keeps tripping me up. If you, if you deal with certain temptations that God's already checked you, like, this is not beautiful for your life, those things are going to stand out to you. But it's, it's the things that are actually good that still are more prevalent than his goodness that need to be put out of the room that he wants to highlight to you. And it's going to be different for all of us because if you said it to me, you were, you were, you were saying something and it looked good to me, I could say, oh, you don't, you don't need to put that in its proper place. You probably just a need to add more good stuff because that's what we would do. We would say, oh, you know, like Kyle and I, are, we're trying to get our health back. We totally lost our health in the pandemic. And so somebody could say, oh, well, you're, you're exercising uh, you're eating well, oh, you should probably just get more sleep, right? Amen. So the, so the <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But isn't that like just in the natural, you're always trying to add more yes. good. Yes, Instead of saying that like, I am eating healthy, but you know what? There's also maybe that I'm not eating enough uh, protein mm. or there's something else that needs to be contributed. And as long as I'm sitting here saying I'm good, I'm doing it right, I'm doing it better than I did, yes. I'm better do doing that one, we're never going to hear what needs to be put out of the room. It's really hard because sometimes it's relationships. And it's relationships sometimes with good people. Yeah. But somehow we have mishandled their voices in our lives. And we have made them prevalent voices when they should have had a rightful place. How, you, how do you know this? If someone, if you feel as if someone that you care about is displeased with you, how does that affect you? Mm. I can tell you right now, for me. I, I, am, I feel like I'm like a super sponge. Like I, I can walk into a room, I can walk into a situation, I can walk into a relationship, and I'm like instantaneous finger on the pulse. This might sound interesting to you if you don't have that, this does not feel interesting to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is very difficult because it's like how you can't unsee things. Yes. You can't unknow things yes. in your spirit. Yes. And so it's like, all right, well, something's off. And sometimes their voice has been good to you. But if their voice has become great to you, it may need to be put out of the room. And that's why I'm saying it gets harder to identify the things that are good a provision that God himself has deposited inside of our life, yep. but it went from being a really good thing to a great thing. 
Because remember what we talked about last week in the Greek? Good. I said, it's the, that's the most dangerous word it is. in the world. Everything right it's now, relative. people, exactly, it's relative. So people are finding ways to put the word good to so many things that are not good. And in the Greek, good is only that which originates from God himself. So here's the sticky part. If the relationship in your life has originated from God, but the placement of their voice inside of you has not been given to you from God, then it's got to be put out of the room. This is the minutia that we're talking about, church. This is what defines a believer from a disciple. Because a believer is like, you know what, I got good people in my life. And I'm just talking about this because I'm trying to, I think there's a tangible sense to this. But there's so many other things, situations, and scenarios in our life that I think we can grab a hold of it. We qualify something as good because it is good. But that's the thing that usually gets to the, the, the wrong place inside of us the quickest. Good people, good situations, good provision, good church. And we get consumed with a good church instead of a great relationship with God. Yes. And it's why we keep putting this in front of everybody because good is not going to hold us. Yes. Good is not going to hold us. There are so many good, beautiful people who have not withstood the tests that we've already seen. Yes. And they are nothing in comparison for what is ahead. Nothing. And what do we see Peter do? It says he put them out of the room, and normally what we do is then we, di- we turn directly to the situation and we try to figure out what God is saying about it. And we try to start to realign what that person's voice or what that scenario's provision is in our life, and we start to get it back into the right place. And it doesn't work. It doesn't hold. It doesn't stick. Because Peter, in this, in this passage, it says... He put the widows out of the room, and then he knelt and prayed. The kneeling part, church, examples to us the submitting part. That is so very hard. When we are used to telling God why something that is good is still good, we're so busy talking that we don't think it's necessary to be kneeling. The kneeling reminds us of our proper place. And then he was able to pray. And you know what's beautiful? We have no idea what he prayed. (laughs) He could have been in repentance for all I know. He could have said, I have a bad attitude right now because I walked all the way here. (laughs) And these women just kept pushing pushing (laughs) stuff in my hands. And I had to walk in here. And I didn't want to smell death. This was not in my plan for today. I don't want to see a dead body. I've seen Jesus do mirrors. I don't know. What if I pray and nothing happens? Yep. He's a real human being. You understand what I'm saying? He's real. Just like how we would be in that situation. Okay, they brought me here for exactly one purpose, to make this dead person not be dead anymore. <laughs> I don't, like, like, on my best day, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in my own self. Right, this, right? totally. Peter's just taking this whole faith thing out for a drive. He's, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Peter's still on, like, a long-term test drive. It's true. He's, he's not the Peter that we know yet. And then it says that Peter then, after he knelt and he prayed, then he turned to Tabitha. The turning is in the word 
for a reason, church. The turning is in the word for a reason. So quickly we cut out that middle part. We're like, okay, I'm going to put that thing out that's kind of distracting me or confusing me. And then we're like, in Jesus' name, and we look at the thing. We are never going to have enough of Jesus inside of us if we make that kind of rotation too quickly. Because whatever he prayed through is what gave God the space in Peter to create the miracle that they needed. Absolutely. That prayer was essential. If we act like it wasn't essential, then he must he may as well just been a sorcerer. Yep. It's the yep. power of God that raised her from the dead. Yep. Yep. And you know what it says? Then he went and he got the widows and her life testified to them. Yes. So that's why I made a point to say some of these things like sometimes we're so quick to be like this is bad, it's got to go. This is good and it's got to stay. And sometimes God is like, it is good, and it needs to go. And I'll bring it back when you're able to handle it in its proper power wow. in your life. Wow. Sometimes we get so distracted trying to figure out what's good and what's bad. Instead of saying, how have I handled the good that has come to me? Yes. And do I have the ability to steward it well without a timeout so that I can pray and not pray for the miracle that I want in my life, but to pray so that I can be a vessel that is holy enough to carry a miracle for someone else. Wow. Dee, I mean, I think what you're saying is so important because we're, it's so, we have so many good things. And that's what we're saying. We, we're not even talking about the trampled soil that comes from bad things or the disillusioned soil that comes from disappointment, disillusionment in our life. That's hasn't worked out we're talking about how do we handle the good that has come into our life look around you you're sitting in a brand new place on brand new seats in brand new world God has but God has brought you through a pandemic and you are alive when others are not there's goodness that you're sitting in the middle of and the question really isn't how good is my life it's how good is my God who I get to know in my life. And I know for me, I know, Dean and I have talked about this constantly. I know for me, the bigger church has become, the more easy it is. And the longer I've done this thing, because I've pastored for th- over 30 years now, so the more I do these things, the easier it is to live on yesterday's manna and call it today's bread. It's easy, guys, to, to look around and see, oh, yeah, I know, I know I should spend time. I know I, I could, but look at all that you've given me, God, that I have to take care of. I have to steward. Stewardship starts from him. And that's what's so important, what Peter did. All these ladies were doing great things. All the situation that they, they, were, they were doing the right things. But he had to just say, stop for a moment. I need to get in front of my king. I, I need to make sure that I get this connection right. Because the Bible says that fourth soil that's good soil, it wasn't just the fact that it was good soil that made it good. The good soil was willing to receive the word, let it get planted deep, and with patience. Anyone else struggle with that? Like, don't you wish sometimes the word would leave some stuff out? 
Like, like it's not just the bad stuff. It's like that. Like, receive the word with, why couldn't he just say with happiness, with joy, with expectation, because faith is expect. No, he said you got to receive the word with patience. Hold it fast with patience. Not let it go when someone's trying to rip it out of your hands with patience. You've got to recognize what is worth holding fast and what is worth letting go. It is comes from the connection to the king. This is why it's so important that we talk about these things here in this place. Because if not, we will get to the end of our lives living good lives. Thanking God for the good life we've had. All the while missing a life of thanking God for being a good God. Because life's not always good. Circumstances aren't always great. Sickness comes. Death comes. But in the midst of it, my God is still a good God. We cannot be reactionary. We must be intentional. There are things that we've allowed to choke us out. That's why it's so important that we activate faith. The righteous shall live by faith, the word of God says. But faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. I wonder if we would look at our screens. I, 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 I had a slap in the face the other day, and it was on my own. Um, my, does your phone, my watch sometimes tells me things that I, I wanted to shut up. Like, because sometimes my, my watch will say stand, or it tells me to breathe. If you have an Apple watch, your Apple watch it gets all in your business, right? It's like, uh, yo, stand. And I'm like, shut up. I'm sitting down watching something. <laughs> I don't want to stand. Uh, breathe. Like, thanks. I'm breathing. Um, but uh, my, my phone got in my business the other day because it showed me my screen time. And it was right after I went on my Bible app that showed me how long the streak hadn't been there. What has crowded out? Is Kyle a bad person? Nope. Am I doing bad things? Nope. Is my screen time on my phone looking at bad sites? No. Has good things choked out a godly life? Yes. There's no condemnation. Jesus doesn't, how beautiful is he? He doesn't even stand up and go, look, if you have one of these three soils, get away from me. How dare you handle my blessing in such a way? He doesn't. He just gives us the warning and then says, your soil can be changed. That's why, and as we close in this, that's why this is the fourth soil. This is the fourth soil. It's not by accident that he, that he has it not being number four. We've been talking about the number four being the number of creative new work. But it's a creative new work that doesn't come from humanity. It comes from God. It is the four winds. It is the four corners of the world. It is the four seasons. God actually does a, 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 this creative new work. It's only what he can do. But my friends, that's the beautiful thing about this moment. If we'll do what Dee was just talking about, being able to kneel down, 
being able to put some things out and kneel down and begin to pray and begin to actually prioritize this connection over this connection, begin to prioritize the blesser over the blessing. If we can continue to prioritize a godly life over a good life and not get confused, somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit who multiplies what we put because the God will never be outgiven, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing it will come back into your lap. Whatever you give God, he multiplies. So when you give him just a little bit of this God attention, he begins to create a good soil in your life. He begins to renew that trampled soil. He begins to repair that broken down, disillusioned soil. He starts to, starts to de-crowd. Come on, the, stat, the crowded out. This isn't always what we have to do to become better. It's simply giving God room to be God. What soil's in our heart right now? Probably a little bit of all four. Good life is not what Jesus died for. We got it messed up. Yup, he died for me to have an abundant life. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. But that abundance starts with him. It is not defined by the blessings I have in my bank account, but my connection to the blesser himself. I'm going to end with this parable, but there's this parable in Matthew 25. It's about the return of Jesus. His disciples are asking him about the return. And he tells them all these things. There's going to be Wars and wars, and there's going to be pestilence and all the things that we talked about in Matthew 24 and in 25. It tells this parable about ten virgins that are waiting for the groom to come. It's a picture of Jesus coming back. We, the bride, are waiting. I love that he doesn't just say one bride. He has a variety. <laughs> come on, somebody. This is us. And the Bible says he gives each of them, each of them, each of them carries a lamp. Each of them carries a lamp because the time that he's going to come back is going to be in darkness. Because the time he's going to come back is going to be in darkness. The Bible says that five of those bridegrooms, they, they, they steward the oil that's in the lamp. They, they steward the gift. They... They, 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 they wait, they got it, they, they keep taking care of it even though there's time between the gift and the return. Even though there's time between the gift and the return. Even though the day is fading and the night is coming, they steward the oil that was given to them. Five don't. Five don't. And the Bible says, when they hear the voice, of the one coming back. He hasn't come back yet. When they hear the voice of the one announcing that he's coming, the five that don't have it, they get up and they go, give me some, I, I need it now. And the answer is now is too late. For the groom has already come. We're not trying in any way to scare anyone, but to just put an understanding of the time frame of the seasons of life that we've lived in. 
the goodness of my God has given us a lamp and he's given us oil totally for free. We didn't do anything. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We, didn't, we aren't pretty enough to be called the bride. He chose us despite us. And he gave us the lamp and he gave us the oil. And he said, I'm going to come back. It's going to be dark. So you're going to need the light. Steward it well. My friends, we cannot afford to allow things to choke out a relationship with our God. Choke out being a disciple. Choke out being at church. Choke out love. Choke out faith. Choke out unity. Can't. The time is coming. Jesus Christ came. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he is coming back. There's a fourth soil that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And if you'll just give him a shot, some of that today, some of that D may just be repentance. Some may just be like, you know what, God, I'm going to be honest with you. Like your Apple phones being honest with you. Your Apple phone doesn't lie to you. It didn't come up with those numbers to shame you. It came up with that as a reflection of actually life that you live. God's word is given to us as a reflection of the life that we've lived. Sometimes the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Sometimes it's just saying, God, you gave me all of this. We were driving to the car today and I just said, doing church like this, for me, there's such a surrender. There's such a need to change inside of me for why I came to church and what I was looking to get out of it. Because the band and the worship team and the, the excitement and the energy and the preaching at multiple campuses and, and, the, and the adrenaline I got every week from being in church, I walked away on a high all the time. But the question that I had to really wrestle with was, was it a high because I was in his presence? Or was it a high because I got something for myself by being there in that place? Even in good things, God can be choked out. So, Dean, I don't know where you are today with this. We don't. Just between you and God. But we're going to take just a few moments, just quietly, and have prayer time. For you, for you. This is you and God. We're in his presence. Do we believe it? Did we sing today, and we believe that we're in his presence? Do we have the opportunity to do exactly what Peter did? I don't care. I'm putting all of what, all my insecurity of what people are going to think out of the room. And I'm going to kneel down, God, and I'm just going to do some business with you. Because there are some dead things inside of me that need to live again. There are some dead things inside of me that need to live again. 
no music, no pads on the keyboard, no atmosphere, just a few moments of silence for you and God to do what only he can do, repair the breach, rebuild the wall, restore your joy. myself away I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. So you can use me so you can use me in the presence of a holy God 
God, I pray that that we can remember what it feels like to be in a room after we have put things out of it that need not be there for a time. That just all voices can be silenced so we can hear you tell us who you are so that everything can find its rightful place. Church, I know that there are people in this room going through things. And the word promises you today that he will make everything beautiful in its time. And there are things that look anything but. But if you put the things out of the room that need to be out of the room, if you will kneel and you will pray and then turn toward the thing, he will show himself as faithful and those things will be beautiful in their time. some of us need to do today maybe the thing that's gotten crowded out of your life is a relationship with Jesus that's real not a belief in Jesus or a belief in God but a relationship with Jesus you know the Bible tells a parable about a young boy who grew up in a father's house he wanted to leave the house to do his own thing. And when he went and did his own thing, he didn't stop being loved by the Father. But there was distance in the relationship. The Bible says that this young boy ended up in a pigsty and finally realized that life with the Father was better than where he was in his life. And the Bible says the moment he turned around, he started heading home again. The father saw him from a great distance and ran to him with arms stretched out in love. I don't know how far you are from God today. Whether it's two feet or 200 miles. All I know is this. The moment that you're willing to turn around, the moment you're willing to say, God, here I am. Daddy, here I am. All of me. I'm holding nothing back. God, I've got some trampled soil, and God, I've got some disillusioned uh, soil, and God, you know I've crowded some things out in my life, but God, I need you today. Jesus, I want all of you in my life today. I want to know you because I already know I'm known by you, but I want to know you today, today, the same Father will, who is in heaven will run to you with arms stretched out in love bring you home, embrace you, forgive you, 
Today, that relationship can start right here, right now. So we're just going to pray together. But if you're here today and you can just say, Kyle, man, add me to that prayer. Today, today's the day that I'm truly going to make a decision. Today's the day that I'm going to accept and grab hold of the love that God has for me. Grab hold of the gospel. Grab hold of forgiveness. Grab hold of joy. Grab hold, release, get, release my control. Give my life to God's control. Today is that day. You just pray this from the bottom of your heart. Jesus is going to meet you right where you are. Just pray with me, church. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus here, I am today, here I am today, and I've decided, and I've decided with everything in me, with everything in me to, give you all my life. to give you all my life. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back. And I'm asking you, Jesus, and I'm asking you Jesus to, come and be the Lord to come and be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And the Savior of my life. I know I can't do it myself. So forgive me of my sin. So forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Change the soil of my heart. Change the soil of my heart. Because I am choosing today. Because I am choosing today. To live for you. To live for you. With everything I've got. With everything I've got. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, can you give God some glory for just decisions being made today in the room? Thank you, Jesus. The forgiveness is always there. Mm. Hallelujah. I always like to take a breath after we mm. pray that because there are some people that are taking mm-hmm. their first eternal breath with Jesus. Yes. And it just is always beautiful. And if you would like some more information about what do I do now? <laughs> what can life look like now? We actually have two books that are available to you depending on your age, uh, The Surprise of Your Life, or Letters to a Gen Zer. They were actually both written by Pastor Rick Campana. He's going to wave. That's my, also my father. <laughs> my actual father. Somebody thought I meant like father in the faith. He's my actual <laughs> father. <laughs> uh, he wrote both of those books, and he's He's one of those people that even through the writing of the book, you can feel is, is, is very, you draw near, you want to hear more. He's such a great storyteller. And um, we want to make that available to you for free. So make your way over to him after service and just be like, hi, my name's Joe. If your name's not Joe, just my name's Joe. <laughs> and uh, we'd like to, I'd like to just know a little bit more. And can I have a book? And that's as simple as it is. So before we go, we're going to go ahead and take the offering. And... Every week we're grateful for your giving, church. Every week we're so grateful true. for your giving. It's not, there is, there is not an, uh, an entity that is giving. It's men and women in this house that are sowing their finance into the, the, not just the running, but the running of this place, but also of the building of the faith yes. of many. It's, it goes to things that are real tangible needs, but it also goes to people. And we're grateful for your giving. And we have envelopes all around the room of the different Ottomans that are available. If you'd like to give physically, you can just fill those envelopes out. We're not going to pass anything around. But at both of the doors, there are gold kiosks. And you can just tuck your offering into there. Or as you can see on the screens, you can actually give online. You can give um, through your phones. uh, But we just are grateful for your giving. Your giving determines what we can and cannot do. No simpler or stronger way to say it. So thank you for knowing that this is a place 
that will treasure what you what you steward Amen. and do something for yep. him with it. So yep. thank you, church. Yeah, absolutely. You know, guys, the, the truth is, and I'm, I'm giving you with my phone as we're, we're as I'm saying this, but, um, you know, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, but the first fruits that come into your life, and then your crops will be overflowing. And what I love about that is that God didn't just ex- say that and expect that of us. God said it and exampled it himself. The Bible says Jesus is the first fruits of those who, be, who will be raised from the dead. God gave the most important thing to him, his son. He released it from his hand so that he, Jesus could be sown into death itself so that you and I never have to. He is the first fruit so that the barns of our world will be overflowing. He gave so that we actually could live. So that's the thing I love about our God. He doesn't just uh, command us to do something. He hasn't already exampled himself. And when we can see he exampled it, and we can see the result of it. How many of you are glad Jesus was raised from the dead, right? Right, as a first fruit. That's a promise that you and I will never die, even if we die. Jesus said on the resurrection and the life, even if you die, you shall live again. Why? Because he was the first fruit of those who tasted death so that we could live again. If my God could overcome death and bring back an overflow so that we could be resurrected, what could he do with anything else we give him as a first fruit? And we're going to let you go now. But church, I actually have one thing I'd really love to ask you to do. If this week you could be praying that Kyle and I really have our ear attuned to what he would have us bring forth from these seats next week. Uh, We take it so seriously. I can't explain to you how serious we take this. Uh, It would be so much easier if we were like, let's just come up with a plan and for the next three months we can know that we could teach about this. We're teaching this book. But um, we, we, we won't do that unless we have a release from the Spirit of God that that's what he has to, has to say to you. Yeah. So it would really mean a lot to me if you would pray for us that we could really hear and really be at peace because we also are always very wanting to be very much in unity about what we share even when God gives us different pieces of the same thing. But I think that that's important and I think that you... Um, would benefit to know that it's not a machine. There's not like some place that we pull ideas from for sermons. Right. It's his spirit. And if we can look at each other and be like, you know, do, is this, do you think this is where God is going? And we can know, we can look at each other and know that you've been praying for us to hear. It gives us a relief and a release. And it makes us feel like we are truly, that's a piece of being community with us True. that we would really treasure. Yeah. So thank you. And guys, can I just really encourage you, uh, hop into Forged, which is our men's discipleship groups, uh, hop into Shoulder to Shoulder, which is our ladies uh, groups as well. So much of what we talk about here is reinforced there, and you have a group of people that can help you live that out together. So it doesn't, you don't have to have been in, you can hop in anywhere at any time. All those teachings are available uh, as well from all the way back, so you can start. If all we get is a little sip every Sunday morning, man, by, by, by Tuesday afternoon, you are dried out. There's something about making sure that we actually get this built into our lives with it, one another. 
And so just so you know how to do that, if you're like, yeah, I would actually like to check that out, you can, we've streamlined everything so that our link tree, our church's link tree, if you go on any of our social media, whether it's in our bio or on our Facebook page, there's always going to be a place if you find a post from like a sermon that you can click on and you can sign up for that. And so thank you for, for, um, for my shoulder to sh how we're my shoulder to shoulder women. Oh, oh. We, there's a there is something that uh, I shared about this week. This week I'm teaching, and I kind of threw um, us under the bus a little. No, she <laughs> threw me under the bus. Why she means that? About it. Uh, you're gonna know. This is I know this is like an inside joke for the ladies, but I talked about paper towels, and it's one of those things how we don't always. Um, we, there's, not, there's not always paper towels that are put back on the paper towel rack. It's like a mystery. They get used. So I know that we all know where they go, where they come from, but they don't always get refilled. And I have the funniest picture to send to you that my That's husband right. did for me this morning. So if you want to know what that means, if you want to know anything about that, if you're a dude, I'm sorry, it's not open to you. But if you're a woman and you want to know what is she talking about with paper towel holders, um, get on our link tree, sign up for Shoulder to Shoulder. We do it virtually. So yeah, you so don't good. have to go anywhere, and we meet throughout the week together, and um, it's rich for your soul. So it let's is. learn. Why don't, why don't we stand? Let's, yeah. let's just pray. Let's, why don't we stand? And Dee, can you just sing that refrain one last time that just kind of over us as a prayer? Don't worry, Chris. You don't have to play. We'll do this a cappella. <laughs> All right. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Father, I pray that each and every person in this room, starting the moment church ends today, will find their place to be a restorer, a rebuilder, a repairer in each other's lives. And they will find a place to give themselves away and that they will feel your pleasure with them as they do so in your name. Amen. 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 Until next week, guys. God bless you, until church. this week. We love you. you. Thank you for being here.